0: Thank you for worship this morning, you all. We, uh, we started last week uh, talking a little bit about the application of New Testament kingdom statements from Jesus as they relate to the rest of Scripture. That if things are true in the New Testament, and if God is the same yesterday and today and forever, if that is the fact, then in fact... The things we discover Jesus saying about the kingdom in the New Testament should also be clear in the Old Testament, right? If we, if we don't believe that there's two different gods, if we don't believe that there's two different dispensations, if we don't believe that that was them, that was then and this is now, but that it's the same God yesterday, today, and forever, then those things which Jesus says, who by the way is the exact representation of God in human flesh according to Hebrews 1, then the things that Jesus says about the kingdom should be applicable both directions, right? The kingdom going forward, our our lives as we move forward should recognize these principles at play. And things going backward, the lives of people that are, are represented in Scripture, those stories that we get to see of people who are trying to follow God and figure it out. The kingdom principles should apply going both directions, right? Just nod yes because I'm right. I'm right about this. I'm not right all the time, but I'm right about this, okay? And we're going to look at that again today. We're going to look at a parable in the New Testament that we, uh, we talk about a bit. This one gets a little bit of press. We're going to talk about the parable of the talents. So I want you to start thinking about that one. Just pla- kind of place that one in your mind. It's Matthew 25 if you want to look it up and refresh your thinking. We'll talk about it in a little bit more. But I, I want you to, to recognize... I want you to recognize the application when you see it. So start thinking about the parable of the talents. We're going to look again at the life of Abraham. We looked at Abraham last week. We'll go back and look at that again. We'll pick him up again. We're going to pick up a different spot in his life. But we're going to ask, is the kingdom principle that's taught in the New Testament by Jesus applicable in the life of Abraham? Last week, we saw that things of God, things of God's kingdom often start with a very small seed. That it's important that you plant throughout your entire life. Remember, Abraham's 99 when this seed is planted and 100 when it's birthed, when the sprout comes up. He's 100 years old. His wife is 90. It's important that you continue to plant your entire life. So those of you who are in that retirement phase of life when you're saying, hey, it's time for me just to kind of relax, not to push things anymore, not to go doing much else. I want you to, I want you to understand that that is a lie. That it is important that you continue to plant throughout your entire life. Those of you who are saying, but I'm, I'm too tired. I'm too sick. I'm too little. I'm too young. Nope. It's important that you plant seeds throughout your entire life. This is a season of doubt, though. Plant the seeds. Keep planting the seeds. Because there is no harvest tomorrow if there is no planting today. It is important that you plant your seeds your entire life. Your entire life. So today we're going to talk a little bit about the, the, the growth, the fruit of that seed that was planted. As we get going, I want to ask you to pray with me. Father, I pray for your blessing upon the time that we are about to share as we open your word That it would not be the preacher, but it would be the word. That it would not be the preacher, but it would be the father. I pray for your Holy Spirit to follow on us. That he would prepare ears to hear, hearts to know, voices to speak. And that this time would be yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Matthew 25, verse 14 through 28 is the entirety of this, but this is how it starts. The kingdom of heaven. So what's he talking about? Kingdom of heaven. So we're still in kingdom parables, right? Remember the Bible says right at the beginning of Matthew, when Matthew's talking about what Jesus is doing, as soon as Jesus begins ministry, it says he went out and began to speak to them, telling them about the kingdom. And he's still on that 25 chapters later he's still speaking about the kingdom the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country somebody's leaving they're going to a far country they're going to be gone for a long time who called his servants in and delivered them his goods what did he give to them his goods who owns the goods he does so he calls his servants in And he gives to them his goods. He distributes to them his stuff, his wealth. He gives to them his goods. He gives them a management opportunity. They don't own it, but they are managing it. He gives them a management opportunity. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to another one, each according to his ability. Can we stop right there and just say the idea that all of us are completely equal in all scales is a lie? It is also not true. The reality is, we are not all the same. And God does not bless us all the same way. Each according to His ability. Each according to the calling that is placed on that life, on that individual, on those skill sets. God will bless you according to what He has given you. Each of these people is given a different thing according to their ability. Okay? I am really disturbed about our equal, uh, equal outcomes thinking in the modern world. We think everybody has to have the same outcome for there to be fairness. No, everybody has the same opportunity, but I will stop preaching there with that subject. <laughs> Man, I could get into that one for a while. We don't have that much time. So with that in mind, we're going to move to Genesis chapter 15. We're going to pick up some things and move quickly through big stretches of a life that lasted 175 years. We're going to pick up some big stretches of that life just quickly, very, very quickly. The first one we're going to drop into is Genesis chapter 15. We're just going to drop in, pick up a piece. Genesis chapter 15, the Lord is speaking to Abraham. The word of the Lord came to Abram before he changed his name. Before he changed his name. The word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your seed and your exceeding great reward. So this Abraham seems to not get for a long time. Abram does not seem to understand this piece for a long time. And I dare say everybody in here has a problem with this piece. All of us forget that the reward is God. The reward is not the stuff The reward is God. The reward is not health. The reward is God. The reward is is not wealth. The reward is God. The reward is not long life or short life or this house or that house or that car or that person. The reward is and always will be God. Because everything else is temporal. Everything else goes away. You know how short your life is. As you're getting to the other side of your life, you know how short it is. You know, when you're 12, it seems like it's going to go on forever. You look at your parents and say, man, they are old. By the time I get there, I'll be nearly dead. They're 35 at the time. But you understand when you get a little older that life goes by quickly. So the reward, the reward that is impactful, that is eternal, that will stay with you, that will carry from this world to that, from this place in the deserts where we wander around, to the promised land where we are bound, the reward is in fact God. He says to him right out the front, chapter 15, Abraham, buddy, guess what? I am the reward. You know what Abraham says? Yeah, but what can you give me? He goes, write to stuff. If you're reading this chapter, you know what he does. He goes, write to stuff. He goes, what can you give me? How, what blessings could you give me? When, when reality is that there's a man in my house, a servant in my house is going to be the one who actually is inheriting all of my stuff. Abraham misses it entirely. I am the reward. But what about my stuff? Who's going to get my stuff when I die? I am the reward. Hey, but, but wait, 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 wait. I got stuff. And I'm worried about my stuff. Man. We never change, do we? We just don't change. Our guy Abraham, that's like 3,500 years ago. And he could be today. This could be one of us. God wakes us up this morning with a vision. He says, I am the Lord your God. Don't be afraid. I am your shield. I got you. I protect you. And I am your exceedingly great reward. And we say, yeah, but who's going to inherit my house? I I really like my car. Who's gonna take care of my car, dude? I'm gonna burn your house and your car. <laughs> I'm taking all your stuff and turning it to ashes. I am the reward. Nope. I love how gracious our God is in this. Just you just if you're following the story, if you're looking at it, if you remember it very well, you're, you're at verse one here. You get down to. Verse 6, and God says to him, yes, 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 I know you think Eliezer from Damascus is going to inherit all your stuff. Don't worry about it. I will. I will give you children. You will have so many kids that you can't count them. Look at the stars in the heaven. Can you count them? You'll have so many kids, it'll be like trying to count the stars. And the Bible says, verse 6, and be- Abram believed God and it was accounted To him as righteousness, which means it wasn't righteousness. He wasn't righteous, but his faith was accounted to him as if it were righteousness. This is Paul's text. This is Paul's favorite text. He builds New Testament theology on righteousness by faith on this text. It was accounted to him as righteousness because he trusted God. He chose to trust God, and as a result, it was accounted to him as righteousness. He still doesn't understand that God is his exceedingly great reward, that God is actually the reward. He doesn't get that part. Still doesn't know. But God said, hey, you're just, I'll take what you got. You trust me for more children. You trust me that there is, in fact, going to be a blessing on your life that will produce massive numbers of children, which he couldn't possibly know, wouldn't see until he is resurrected. You realize Abraham will never see the fullness of the blessings of God until the resurrection when he meets all of his children. But I am still the reward, Abraham. So we picked up one piece out of 15. What is the one piece? God is the reward. God is the reward. Chapter 16, verse 1. Now we switched over. Now Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. But she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. It's been 10 years since God said, you're going to get all this land and you're going to have a bunch of kids. 10 years have passed. Ever waited for God for something? Ever waited for 10 years? A decade has passed and he has no kids. A decade has passed and he has no piece of this land. He's still not concerned about the piece of the land. But he is worried about the kids. Because who's going to inherit my stuff? I'm getting more and more stuff everywhere I go. Go to Egypt, I lie to those people, they send me away with stuff. I, I, I go around, I lie to people, and they send me, Abimelech sends me away with more stuff. Everywhere I go, I lie and I get stuff. Who's going to inherit all my stuff I lied for? It's a story, isn't it? If we get, if we break it right down, that is actually what happened to the guy. Now, he had his father's stuff, which now Lot has half of. Another part of the story. But here we are in chapter 16. It's been a decade. He's 85 years old. It's been 10 years. He's like, man, I'm not getting any younger, God. Sarai's looking at him going, he's not getting any younger, God. He says, I have an idea. His wife comes to him with this idea. Gentlemen, if your wife comes to you with this idea... Don't bite. Yes. Someone in the front row said, walk away. Consider this, that tree of knowledge of good and evil. You don't want to start this. You don't want to be involved in this. This is not your game. Stop. Sarah comes in with a with an idea. Sarah says, hey, I'm clearly not having any kids. You're an old guy. I have an idea. How about my maidservant? I have this... Young woman from Egypt, she's my maidservant. Um, Why don't you lay with her and have a baby with her? And we'll consider that the child of the promise. Was that the promise? Why are they trying to help God with His promises? Why do we try to help God with His promises? Because we have trouble with two things. One, having enough faith to actually believe He fulfills all His promises. And two, understanding that God is the reward. So here they are trying to help God out with the promise. I know what we can do. We can make this work out. We can add a little bit here, add a little bit there. We can fix this for God. God so needs our help. He can't do this without us. Well, did He promise it would happen? Yes. Can His promises be trusted? Yes, then wait. Lord, would you please answer my prayer today? Nope. But if you wait, I wonder how many times Abraham prayed, Lord, Lord, could you just, could you just get my wife? Could you just make my wife have a baby? Could you just, you said you would. Could you, could you just come through with this? She's not getting any younger, Lord. She's, she's 75 now. Come on. Get on with it. I don't want to be waking up in the middle of the night at 90. Come on, God. So they decide to give, her, give God a hand. We're just going to help God out a little. So a child is born. His name is Ishmael. Ishmael. Abram now believes is the child that was promised. Abram believes this is the child that was promised. God said I would have children. Ta-da! I had to give them a little help, but you know, sometimes God needs our help. No, God never needs our help. Sometimes God chooses to use our help because we need to be helping. Understand the two are very different. Sometimes God chooses to use our help, but God never actually needs our help. Because He can do whatever He wants. That's what comes with the title, God. All-powerful, infinite, omniscient God doesn't need us. He chooses to use us. Big difference. Big difference. Now we're jumping all the way down to chapter 21. Genesis 21, verse 10. Now we have a, the story carrying forth. Notice the, notice the names have changed. The names have changed. A lot has happened in the last five chapters. A lot of things have happened. A little, little Ishmael has is grown up. He reached age of 13. <clears throat> Sarah reached age of 90. Abraham, age 99. Two guys show up outside Sarah and Abraham's tent. They're there to announce a couple of things to Abram. Hey, guess what, buddy? This time next year, according to the life of man, you know what that means? God knows how long it takes to have a baby. He knows this thing just doesn't happen. So he, knows. he said, okay, this time next year, according to the life of man, according to the, the nine-month nine month process, we have to work out here. I invented the process. I understand the process. I know it's going to take some time. So, but according to that, you're going to watch your wife. She's going to bloom. She's going to blossom. She's going to look like she's going to blow up, and then she's going to have a child. That's what you all look like, ladies. You bloom, you blossom, and then we think, oh, no, can she stretch much farther? <laughs> all you guys know that is true. And all you guys also know, go, know that at that, about that moment, you're going, man, I'm glad that's not me. The next moment is at childbirth when you're going, wow, God, thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you that it's not me. Reason number 385 that you were glad you were born a male. I'm I'm not, this is not dissing on ladies because I think this is the the toughest thing on the planet to do. And you all do it more than once. Many of you choose to do this a second time, which will forever baffle me. (laughs) But I'm good with it. Sarah said to Abraham, after her child was born, kick out this bondwoman. Who's the bondwoman? Hagar. Kick out this bondwoman, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son. Namely, Isaac. Whew. Now, I don't know much about Sarah, but there are two stories that don't reflect well. There's three. One, she delivers her handmaid to Abram. Abram, like Adam, doesn't have the good sense to say this is a bad idea. Two, she's rough on this woman as soon as she becomes pregnant. She's so rough on her, she runs off. I'm I'm not inclined to really like this woman. And three, after Isaac is born, she says, throw the baggage out. You know why? Because a 13-year-old boy made fun of a baby. Do you know how many 13-year-old boys? If you're 13, plug your ears. Some 13-year-old boy acts like a 13-year-old boy and she throws her out. What happens next is very interesting to me. What happens next is is fascinating on a bunch of levels. Abraham, Abraham agrees to this, but he goes to God and he's heartbroken over it. He goes to God and he's heartbroken over Ishmael and God consoles him. God says to Abraham about Ishmael, I understand. I'm going to paraphrase this heavily. I understand what you're feeling. I understand the heartbreak that this is. But you need to go ahead and send him off. Go ahead and send him off. I will take care of him because he's your child. Because of our relationship, I'll watch out for your children. Those of us with children, Especially those of us who have children who have begun to fly the coop. You know, you're really happy when they got off the, the, the family budget. You know, when you could re- remove paying for college and paying for kids stuff from the budget. you were really happy about that day. But then the day your kid decided to do something independent of you that was kind of not what you would do. Remember, God tells Abram. I will take care of him because he is your child. It's a place to lean into when you're worried. I will take care of him because he is your child. And it's a place to claim and to pray and to go back to God with and go back to God and talk about. I will take care of him because he is your child. There's another thing about this that that struck me only only the last couple days. Ishmael is practice for the next scene. Ishmael is practice for the next scene. He sends him off. Ishmael and his mom get out into the wilderness of Beersheba. They've run out of water. It's hot. It's the desert. It doesn't look like there's any place for water. She puts him under a, the shade of a little bush. The Bible just says a bush. And she walks away. She walks away far enough so that when he dies, he does, she doesn't have to see it. Because Hagar has forgotten that God sees. And now when she's a ways off, God begins to speak to her again. Second time. Has God ever spoken to you? God is in relationship with Hagar. He speaks to her a second time. And he tells her it'll be okay. I will take care of your son. He'll be the father of a nation. She also tells him, he's going to, he also tells her, he's going to be a wild man. God doesn't, God doesn't lie about things. He's going to be a wild man, father of a nation. And then he points out a well to her. So she can get water so they can continue. And Ishmael's family grows into a great nation. Abraham and Sarah go about their business, moving around, hanging out, living there in the area near where the Philistines live. So they kind of move to the beach. I love the picture because they kind of move into Philistine territory, which is like, we're going to move closer to the beach. we got a kid now. Let's move closer to the beach. They interact with the leadership there. Abraham's a big, big crowd of people by now. Lots of animals, lots of people. He's, he's a nation himself, almost. One child, though. The next phase of the story, Abram and Isaac think, okay, that's it. We're good. Everyone who hears our story will laugh with us about it, what God has done. It's going to be so good. Okay, God has fulfilled his promise. I'm okay now. I don't have to worry about anything from here on out. I'm good. I'm good. You know, the problem is there are always steps and stages of growth in your life, in your experience. The problem is we get on a step we like and we want to linger there. Here's my step, God. I'm good. I'm happy here. I'll build my house and plant my fields and stay right here on this step because I don't want to move any further. I got my kid now. We're happy. We're good. Laughter, joy, awesome. Thank you for Isaac. Now just leave us alone while we do our thing. God doesn't do that, He's always got another stinking step. You don't get to camp out on the steps. One of the biggest problems with us in church is we try to camp out on the steps. We try to find a place where God is moving us from and stay there. We try to stay in the place where God is taking us through or from. You know that Israel living in Egypt was a mistake. Egypt was a provisional step along the way for a people who were facing starvation. Go down to Egypt. There's a famine in the land and leave as soon as the famine's over, come back. Instead, they stay in this provisional place until the good favor of the country, of the nation, is no longer. And instead of moving on through, they camp out on one step for 400 years, and things go sideways, and God has to rescue them. You can do anything you want with that, story, but that's what I think happened. Abraham and Isaac, Abraham and Sarah, we're good. I love her statement here. Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him, and Sarah said, God has made me laugh, and all who hear will laugh with me. It's great. I have this wonderful testimony of what God has been doing, what God has done. The finished work of God is right here. Look, it's just toddling around the house. You, you, you who are Bible scholars, you know what's coming, right? You know the story that's next. You know what God's about to do in these people's lives. He's going to disrupt and mess up everything they think. It came to pass after these things that God had another step. The Bible says God tested Abraham. What did Abraham need testing for? He'd have, he believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness. Like seven chapters ago. Why still test? Why are we coming back to check out on this? Check out this guy. Because the blessing of God could turn into a curse if you thought it belonged to you. In fact, the blessing of God often does turn into a curse when you think it belongs to you. Here's our friend Isaac. He's a young man now. God says to Abraham, Take now your son, your only son, Isaac, Go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering. God doesn't call for burnt offerings. He doesn't, ever. God does, I mean, for human sacrifices. God never does, except here. But the text is prepping us for this because it says God is testing Abram. This is this is something other than just your normal, hey, I want you to do this now. I'll go and make this sacrifice. No, this is a test. This is only a test. The emergency broadcast system, this is only a test. The sound you hear next will be a test. This is a test. Go to Mount Moriah and sacrifice your child, your only son Isaac, the question on the test. there's one question on this test. The only question on this test is Abram. Do you trust me in this? Well, I sent Ishmael off because you said you'd take care of him. So he leaves from Moriah. It's about a three day journey. They get to the third day. He's about to go up the up the hill. He tells the servants, wait here. If you read, read the text carefully, he says, wait here, wait here. We will be back. Not I will be back. We will be back. He doesn't know what God has planned for this hill. He doesn't know what's going on on this hill. He's not sure why God has told him to do this with his son, but he says, we. We'll be back. This kid and I will be back. I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know what God has in mind, but this is the child of the promise. This is the this is the, the gift of God. We will be back. Amen. He climbs up the hill. Somewhere on the hill, the kid starts to get a little worried. The kid's carrying a backpack full of full of wood. He knows that the wood's present. It's he can feel it. His dad's carrying the fire that would carry just some embers, just a little bit of Fire, usually wrapped up in leather, sometimes right on top of their head. Just carry it up there in this pouch. He's carrying the fire. We've got wood. We've got fire. We forgot to bring a lamb. Remember what he says? God will provide, listen carefully to the next phrase, for himself a lamb. God will provide the offering God desires for himself. God will provide a lamb for the offering. And so they go on up the hill. I don't know what Isaac is thinking on the rest of the trip. I don't know where this offering has come from. I don't see any offerings. I don't know what's going on. They get to the top of the hill. Abram starts building these stones into an altar. Remember, everywhere Abram goes, he builds an altar. He's a pretty good altar builder by the time he's 100 years old or by now probably 115 or 17. He's building this thing. As he's building this altar, gets this thing stacked up and ready to go, he starts putting the wood on the altar. They arrange the wood in a specific way. If you've ever built a fire that you want to really get some heat out of. You've got to arrange the wood so lots of air will get into it. And so he's arranging the wood. The Bible describes arranging the wood on top of this altar. At some point he says to Isaac, my body, my son whom I love, tears by now would be streaming down his face. God said, you're the offering. Isaac was thinking back on the trail. I was afraid that was the case. He says, why me? I don't know why you, but I know that God can take care of you even in this. And so Isaac submits to being prepared for the offering. Isaac submits himself to being prepared for the offering. When you get to Romans chapter 12, and Romans chapter 12 says to you, Offer yourself as a living sacrifice. This is it. This is you. Isaac commits himself to being the living sacrifice. They get him all ready. He's now laying on top of the wood, on top of the altar. Abraham's waiting to hear from God. Nothing. Silence. Crickets from heaven. Abraham gets out the knife. This is his son. He sharpens that baby up. You don't want this to go hard. You want to be as gentle as you can in the killing of your child. He gets that thing as razor sharp as he can. He puts it off as long as he can. He's God, please, you've got to intervene here. At some point, you've got to stop this thing. Gets his son on the altar, grabs hold of his chin, lifts his head back. He probably tells him to close his eyes. I would have. Raises the blade to sever his arteries across his throat. And as he does, finally, ever get the answer to your prayer, finally? This is as finally as finally gets. Finally, God says, stop. Now I know that you will trust me. And there, caught in a thicket, is the provision, the provisional substitute for the promised son, a lamb, a ram caught in the thicket. And joyously, the two of them capture the ram and sacrifice the animal instead of the child. You see, God had asked Abraham what he had left, and Abraham said, I have nothing left. I'm too old to have children. My wife is too old to have children. And God said, I got this. I promised you I'll take care of this. Well, what about Ishmael? And God said, no, that's not my promise. That was your promise. That was what you tried to do. What do you have left, Abraham? What do you have left? I have nothing, God. I only have you. Right. Because I was your exceeding great reward all along. It had always been about me what you did today abraham what we went through today what you and i both went through today was simply to help you understand that i am the reward i love your son i will want your want your son to be harmed i will take care of him because he is your seed but abraham you have to understand that i am the reward and he is the blessing Of that reward in the next generation. And so it is. Abraham has one thing now left, and God says, Give it to me. Give that to me too. Those of us who have children who are straying, and I know there are a bunch of you here, who have children who are wandering, God says, Give them to me. I take better care of my children than you take care of yours. Give them to me. What do you have left, Abraham? I just have Isaac. That's all I have. I'm too old to have any children. You know that. This was a miracle. My wife is too old to have any children. You know that. You sent Ishmael off, Lord. All I have is Isaac. Yep. Give him to me. Offer him to me. And when Abram finally offers Isaac with a broken heart, God steps in rescuing Isaac and reminding Abram and you and I that he is the reward. He is the Because Isaac never belonged to Abraham. Isaac had always belonged to God. We started way back with that parable about the talents. Whose talents were they? They were the talents of the master. And they were given as a gift to his servants. What do you have left? Or does it belong to? Let's pray. Father God, it is a hard thing to truly give you everything and mean it. Help us to understand that it was never ours to begin with. That every good thing has come to us from our Father. And that none of it belongs to us. That we are simply managers of your blessings. Father, I pray for a different heart. A heart that holds tightly to you. And loosely to everything else. I pray for our children. I pray that each one of them would be taken up in your hand and released from our. And I pray for the blessing you promised for Ishmael. That you would take care of them. That you would bless them. Because they are the seed of your church. In Jesus' name.